This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 80 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, American Harvest, and Arena Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Today, we have the mother-daughter trio of Cindy, Rosie, and Jazz Napravnik to discuss all things racehorse and aftercare. And Winnie Morgan Nema joins us from New Vocations with her training tips on how to build your standard breads top line and introduces our adoptable horse of the week, Justice Jet, which I don't know about you, Kristen. I love that name. It's a great name. Our listener of the week is Carly Ehler. Want to be our listener of the week? Comment on our last post on Facebook or Instagram. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Kristen, I feel like now that we're in May, it's just like it is the Christmas time for equestrians. Like the weather's better, show season's getting started, our horses I'm exhausted. are exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, we're all exhausted. Lots of spring cleaning, <laughs> lots of prep, but our horses are a little less stir crazy, and so are we. Tell me what's new for you. Okay. So what's fun is that by the time that you all are listening to this, I will have already gone to my first horse show of the year, but from where we're sitting to record it, I've not been there yet. So you all know how I did and I don't know yet. How fun (laughs) is that? So it's a glimpse into the future. So since we don't have exact results yet, how are you feeling that Gil do? We're going to win everything. It's gonna Oh, be okay. Great. No pressure at all. Right. Yeah. It. So we're going to see if that <laughs> prediction comes true. No, the challenge here is that <laughs> I am taking my little standard bread Western flash to a ranch horse show oh, and man. having humble brag won the open buckles last year. I'm not eligible for the adult walk trot, which means we be loping and we be not quite ready to be loping yet, but we're going to try it anyway. So, you know, the last, uh, actually yesterday's flat school went really well. So he was getting his leads and doing just really nice upward downward transitions. So, and it'll be in an arena and not out in the massive, you know, 40 acre pasture where there's nothing to stop him. So I think we'll be fine. It's going to be fun. That'll that'll be fun. You know, something (laughs) will happen for sure, but you know what? It's great. And I think it's great. You're getting the experience. Yeah. He just the miles before that standard bread national show in July. So this is the best place to do it. Very friendly show. Pretty nice soft cows, which is good. We're not going to have, you know, a monster come out and hopefully take off with us. So I got to admit yeah, that's just not be- something I ever think of going to a show being in dressage is, is the cow going to be nice to me? Yeah. If you have a cow in your <laughs> ring, something's gone really, really something's wrong. Gone super wrong. I probably showed up to the <laughs> wrong venue or, um, I'm definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. One right. of those are happening. But you're well, getting closer to making your return, aren't you? You're back in the saddle again. I Way can. to go, Joy. I'm so excited. It's felt like forever. I mean, it's been a month since I've ridden, but yes, I've had two rides so far. I've been cleared to ride again and my horse has been mostly lovely. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, Yeah. I saw your reel the other day. It's it's not always been. It's interesting because it's like a couple of days before that she was 
picture perfect. Like she was so gentle with me the first ride back. We were in the outdoor, which she's never been in our property because we moved right before the seasons changed into winter. So I really expected her to be a full on nutter, not being worked in four weeks in any capacity and going into a new space she's never been. And she was amazing, picked up all her leads, super kind and soft, even rounded out. And I was like, look at this little you know, first level horse I have. I felt really good. Took that confidence too far in the next ride. And we were quite spicy. Very, very spicy <laughs> mare. That's what happens. The first ride, you're like, everything is great. And then the second one, you're like, oh, now, yeah. now they've figured out there's a pattern. Yes. <laughs> and it's, even though she's spicy, like everyone's like, oh, chestnut mare. I'm like, she really doesn't fit the stereotype. She has many temper tantrums over discomfort. And I don't mean like her saddle doesn't fit or she doesn't like the bit. I mean... She likes the deep sand in the outdoor. She really likes her footing a certain way. She likes when it has been recently dragged. And when another horse has gone through it and created a new path, we no longer want to be there because it's not the same. So she was very upset that other horses had ridden in her recently dragged arena before her. And Yeah, sort of I think footing. people... Yeah, I think we are... We're married to that like wet chestnut mare stereotype, but I think it's just a red horse thing. Cause like Jobber's face changes when he's sweaty. He doesn't like to be sweaty. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're sweaty. So you're going to have like, to. She never bucks like, or rears or does anything like really silly that you see on all the fail videos and stuff. She shakes her head like a rabid giraffe. And then she's like, okay, fine. I will trot, but I'm not happy about it. Right. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I have a great video I could share, except it's not safe for work. So I was oh. long lining Jobber today and was like, I'm going to be fancy and video him while I long line with one hand. And he's like, ha ha. No, you're not. So you are uh, brave. You are brave, fun. my friend. But uh, there's a big swear word in there, though. So I don't think I can share that video. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, unless you learn how to edit your words out or put a big blooper over that. No, nope, this is why we have George. This is this why we is have, we have George to edit for us. So, but I might that. enter her and there's a little virtual fun show. It's like very quick, very easy. I might just throw her in it for something to do this month, but hopefully we'll be, you know, back into real dressage work. We start lessons again tomorrow. So I'll tell everyone about it in our next episode, how her program's going. She's being assessed by an eventer. So it'll be interesting. Oh, fun. And, yeah. and then we'll wrap you in bubble wrap the rest of the time. And then I will be in bubble wrap for the rest of the year. So definitely exciting. And speaking of exciting, I can't believe we have the Napravniks. I honestly am very proud of myself. The title of the show, Keeping Up with the Napravniks. I have to say that's the show I would watch if there ever was one. Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's make that a thing. Right. I mean, that. like I will call E Entertainment myself, but we had them on our show today. It's I couldn't think of a better group of people to talk everything racehorse from the track and then in second careers. And then we're catching up with the standard breads at New Vocation. So it's going to be a really cool show. I'm super excited for it. But before we jump in, let's hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. 
This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, Joy, we're so excited to have not one and not two, but three Napravniks with us today. We're joined by mom, Cindy, who has a long history with galloping racehorses for Bill Mott, as well as coaching and training junior jockeys and pony club, including both of her daughters, Rosie and Jazz. And they're both here with us, too. Rosie was the first female jockey to win the Kentucky Oaks, as well as a Breeders' Cup race, as well as run in all three Triple Crown races. And she's now transitioned professionally into training ex-racehorses for second careers. Jazz has held a trainer's license for nearly a decade and a half. She's galloped racehorses and herself has now transitioned into retraining thoroughbreds for second careers. And she's also working as a mindset coach. All three of these horsewomen are headed to the 2022 thoroughbred makeover, making, to the best of our knowledge, the first ever family trio to all participate as individuals. So, Napravniks, we're super excited to have you all here this evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us on. So did the three Hopefully of you just like sit team. down? Oh, you're totally the dream team. We're super excited. <laughs> did you guys just sit down and call each other up and we're like, hey, let's all do the makeover this year? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I've, Cindy, I've you done said the makeover. Sorry, go ahead. Now, I've done the makeover since 2000. Well, I did 2017, 18. Actually, I did 2015, 17, 18, 19, and 20 and 21, I guess. And then Jazz blew the world away when she did her first makeover last year. And so I'm super excited that mom's going to have a stab at it. Oh, that was only your first makeover, Jazz? It actually wasn't. I actually oh. oh, that's right. The very <laughs> first makeover that Stuart hosted at Pimlico when we had one horse of a different division. It was more of a demonstration. Right. And I think they just did America's Most Wanted Horse. And I actually brought one of my steeplechase horses, which clearly is no longer a division for the thoroughbred makeover. But yeah, I participated in the very first one. And then as a team with Rosie in 19 in the show hunters, but my first individual for this format was last year. Well, you set a pretty high standard for yourself. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So jazz last year, she won the eventing division and then was also then voted the people's choice award. So for anyone who was not following last year's makeover, so really good first, first makeover for you or first makeover in the new format, we'll call it. And Cindy, you're joining us this year now for the first time, right? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of exciting. Just watch the girls and thought, Hey, why not? This looks like fun. Well, actually, yeah, last uh, makeover when Rosie won the eventing in when it was 19 and then we didn't have it for COVID. So then Jazz won it the next time. And I was like thinking to myself, I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to try this and bring it around full circle. (laughs) That's exactly what my thought was. And it just so happened to be a woman I work with. Uh, one of the things I do is uh, cut babies for the sale and uh, do post-op rehab. But she had a a horse that had to rehab, a young horse. 
and uh, was ready for a new job. And I just happened to say, hmm, when was her last work? <laughs> and as it turned out, she qualified and you guys accepted me. And uh, so here we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome you know aboard. What? It seems to be it seems to be like a theme that it's the horse that kind of brings you to the makeover. So I did the makeover in 2015, and Stuart kind of Stuart had asked me to be on the board, and he was like, "You could train a horse." And then we all went looking for a horse. But in 2017, I ended up doing the makeover because we were given a horse that needed to be retired, and then from racing and then was given to us and we're like, Oh, what are we going to do with it? And I was like, Oh, well, I'll do the makeover. And then jazz, we love to flashback on her post from before the makeover with Chester, where she's like, who wants to sponsor me with this horse? And then so sure funny. enough. And then mom comes across, you know, a horse in layup and it's like, what are we going to do with this horse? Are we going to send her back to racing? It's like, Oh, she might be great for the makeover. So it seems like the horse is really have brought all of us to the makeover, a particular horse. That's kind of the way you want it to happen, right? The, the right horse comes along and you find the right path for that horse. And next thing you know, you're winning divisions and away you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what I think is really cool with this family is that not only are you guys all accomplished equestrians who are clearly very good at helping these thoroughbreds find their footing in second careers, but you've all come out of the racing industry as well. So speak a little bit more about that. Jazz, you've held a trainer's license for a long time. How was that transition from training on the track to training under saddle? Well, it's kind of funny because we're, we've actually kind of come a full circle. Rosie and I both grew up in pony club eventing. And then it was kind of youth. Versace was boring when you're 13. I like to go fast. I like to jump, which really pushed me into steeplechasing. And then the business aspect of it brought me to the flat track as well. And so, but I always had... I always had such a passion for horses in general. And as a kid growing up, I had a lot of throwaway ponies. Rosie and I actually both competed a pony that actually came out of a kill pen. So I've always had that knack for bringing out the diamond in the rough, if you will. So throughout my entire training career, I did a lot of cross training. In the winter, I always trained off the farm. I trained a little less traditionally than most flat trainers. And in the winter, as I was legging up, because all my horses would always get a break of some sort, usually six to eight weeks, I would do what I call racehorse dressage, usually in the indoor, but making sure they were able to carry themselves so that then they could run more efficiently and conserve energy throughout a race, that they could run more balanced and therefore stay sounder and reduce the risk of injury from you know not being a balanced athlete. Uh, learn to bend, also go in a straight line, which I find taking horses off the track, that's an interesting concept they haven't figured out yet. And in doing so, the side effect is they've got a little leg up when they do have to retire from racing at some point. Someone put them in a ring, someone taught them a little bit more than turn left, go fast. And because I don't know where all these horses are going to end up. And unfortunately I am not independently wealthy yet where I can keep them all. I always felt like I did. I just did my small part to make sure that they had the best chance to end up in really good situations 
after racing if they left my care. So it was a very natural progression for me. And it was kind of, quite honestly, it was the universe that just kind of pushed me in the right direction and said, okay, your time in racing is going to be over soon and you're going to go back to your roots and you're going to do something a little different now. So having, I had small stints as a jockey as a teenager. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Quickly figured out I did it. So I spent a lot of time as a trainer. So you're a bit more behind the scenes than, you know, on stage. And I dabbled in the horse showing a little bit, but not much. Usually on a race, on an active racehorse. So you can imagine how that always went quickly. Um, <laughs> and so it's nice to be able to be back in the competition ring again and really giving the racehorses a boost and a leg up into new careers. And I specialize teaching um, adult amateurs that have off-track thoroughbred. So the right off-track thoroughbred, anyone can ride. I love that. That's so cool. So yeah, not really a far leap for you or your horses, really, if you're already installing that foundation. And that's what we'd love to see in the industry, of course, is horses getting a more of a well-rounded education on the track. But of course, you know, I mean, they, they have a pretty good education as it is already. Rosie, I know you shared a video uh, a couple weeks ago showing all the stuff a racehorse puts up with. So in your experience, you know, how do these horses transition from what they're used to in their daily life? And then, of course, what was it like for you as a rider to transition at the same time? Well, I think growing up with the foundation that I had in eventing and just knowing the flat work and just being a horse person from such a young age is what really led me to having so much success on the racetrack. Transitioning horses off the racetrack, just knowing what they're exposed to is such an asset, I feel like, in transitioning them. Sometimes I feel like horses, thoroughbreds are given, you know, off the track horses are given stories, right? So someone gets a horse off the track and they have an issue in training and they think, well, this horse had a gait issue because he doesn't like to walk through a stall door. And although, you know, we know what gate issues happen and traumatic experiences happen, but it's really pretty rare. So I think it's kind of helpful going to a show and knowing what atmosphere. I posted a video during DERP just understanding like what does and does not translate into what you're actually working with at the moment. I was doing the morning work show and analyzing the works leading up to Derby. And I, I caught a video of two of Wayne Lucas's horses training under the lights at Churchill Downs, like, you know, in the dark. And it's just like such a ginormous scene. And I posted this video. I was like, Hey, so just in case you didn't realize this is what your horse may have seen when it was two years old, like this huge atmosphere. And so when I go to a show with a horse, it's so valuable to know like what they've already seen and experienced. And it's just, you know, a level of excitement that they feel being in that atmosphere, but also then implementing the things that we're teaching them of how to release their tension and stuff like that. So it's just really valuable to know what they do and do not know and what they have and have not seen. And putting that into transition really helps me be very present with what exactly I'm dealing with at the moment. Super cool. 
So <laughs> now I know Cindy, you had some experience, uh, with racehorses as well. And I saw that you at one point were galloping horses for jazz. So how did that work out? Did jazz call you up and say, mom, I need you to come run some horses or <laughs> did you show up and say, give me something to ride? Well, uh, a little bit of both. Like we all ride for each other at one point or another, you know, like we kind of, do that. I, I always need a little race fix because I love to ride, you know, short and cross country and gallop and all that stuff. But it really kind of started a long time ago. So if I feel like riding a horse and one jazz has, I'll just ask to get on. I used to gallop a little bit for her, but not a whole lot. I didn't do a lot of, whole lot of galloping on the, the big race horses. I was an event rider for ever. I'm sort of silly, I guess. So I, ran a training barn and so whenever somebody has a horse if i'm there and uh, a horse that i want to ride i'll ask this to sit on it for sure i'm better on the babies and the younger ones because at that point i know more than they do <laughs> so those are my favorite because I, I started with young horses and my first real horse quote unquote my first show horse was a uh, bit off the track when i was when i was young so i, I like to stick with the young ones and if they have race horses i think want needs flat work Jazz would say, let me sit on that one and get some flat work done in it. Because, uh, like she said, I believe in a little bit of flat work dressage for racehorses. Not too much, but enough to, because you, you know, once you start getting into serious flat work, you start changing muscles and stuff like that. So you have to be careful on how you go about that. But to answer your question is, yeah, I kind of just ask if I want to get on and try to get on. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, it's such a great answer. And Cindy, as you're talking about, like now you actually, you all ride for each other at some point. I have to ask, like, maybe this is a question also for uh, Jazz and Rosie, having mom as a coach when you were younger, how did that affect your relationship? Because I think there's a lot of equestrians who have a parent as a coach in some regard. When does it, when is the coach hat on, when's mom's hat on? And now that you're working as a team, all as adults, how does that coaching look for your makeover horse today? That's interesting because, so when you coach your own kids, which did until they were... I had to send them off to people who are professional race people because, like, we did all the junior racing and stuff like that. And, of course, the kids evented through, gosh, they were schooling through, I guess, prelim on ponies before they left the house. But I think part of it is, so I homeschooled my kids a little bit, too, and I'm a homeschool advocate. And so I think that was very helpful in teaching because I was able to teach my own kids. A lot of people can't teach their own children, and it's very obvious. But then you have to separate it because sometimes there's times that it's not working. So you just put it on hold there. So as a kid, and then, you know, they obviously school with other people as well. I think everybody has their own part. So if someone has a forte in a certain area or they've got a better situation for this horse or that horse, We'll kind of, whoever would be best suited for that, we'll sit on and pass around advice. And what do you think of this? And that looks great. You know, to share our thoughts. I think that's a great answer. Rosie, Jess, could, what was I it like having, in. yeah, was it like I having mom as a coach? I've done both. I've been the parent and the student <laughs> of the writer. <laughs> so I, like growing up, I can remember being like the biggest brat of a <laughs> child student. Like I remember the feeling of I am doing that. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. 
stop bugging me. You know, I too I was am like, familiar with this. Yes, I, uh, I have a couple child. students now. <laughs> yeah, I was the poster child for like bratty little kids that are not respectful to their parents. I mean, I 100% admit that and can see the image in my own brain. So I have kind of been scared to teach my own kids because I'm afraid to be treated that way. And so, with, like with my boys, my mom had tons of of very young children as students and lots of kids our age. And I always remember sort of like being in a lesson and like you have to kind of keep up with the structure of it and pay attention and take your turn and be respectful and stuff. So I tried to avoid those situations. Like I would try to teach my kids without letting them know that I was teaching them anything. And a lot of their like fundamental learning was like, we would just like go on a trail ride and like we're ponying them. And then they like suddenly learn to post, you know, like I try not to like do too much teaching. And I actually like, sometimes I'm a little afraid to admit that I ship my kids 15 minutes down the road and pay for someone else to teach them lessons. <laughs> but I can understand you know, now and with the help of jazz, uh, just becoming more aware of mindsets and things like that is I've kind of come to understand why that relationship can be sort of tough, especially with younger kids, because just typically children are always trying to gain the approval of their parents. And so it's ultimately most difficult when the parent is also the coach, you know, you don't want to disappoint either your coach or your parent. And then suddenly they're all in one and you feel like the really highs and the really lows. So it's really difficult to go through those lows, I think. So now that we're all adults and we're all sort of doing kind of the same thing, it's really, it's fun. And it's a, it's a great, tool to have to be able to bounce things off of each other, share experiences. Jazz and I are competing at the same level now with our maker horses. So it's really fun to sort of talk about what we're going through and what we've been through and share experiences and advice. And of course, always going back to mom, she's definitely like one of the most fundamental, fundamentally great trainers of like starting from the very beginning. Um, mom goes super slow with her horses. And now I understand why, because like I told mom, like, man, I always thought you like trained like way so slow. And now I'm like, I get to step three and I go back to step one. And I understand why you train so slow because you don't want to go back steps. Like I get it. So it's really great to have those. Now we're all sort of peers as well as our obviously close relationship, but we're all kind of going through the same thing. And so it's just like a lot of sharing experiences. And it's really fun. It's super fun. This resonates with me because my mom is a horse person and we did not grow up with our own horses. Again, she also shipped me off to a local lesson barn. And I think now about that she sacrificed what she could have been spending on her own riding lessons to make sure I could ride, which I guess is just a thing that moms do. But now she has her own horse. Yeah, exactly. I've got horses. She's got her own horse. And now we relate so much better than we did when I was also a really bratty teenager. So, you know, now I look back and and think back and I'm like, oof, I was not the nicest child to my mom. I was awful on show days. But yeah, with that distance of another decade when everyone's an adult, it is so much easier to look back and appreciate everything that you learned. So, so I feel this. Yeah, this is, this is touching me too. One thing I think is really interesting listening to Jazz talk about 
all the training she would put in on these racehorses on the off season. Is it pretty common in your experience that racetrack trainers are also equestrians or are you guys like a little unusual in that? (laughs) I definitely think that it is part of all of our success is having been an equestrian first. My husband grew up strictly racetrack and he has built this super appreciation for what we do, you know, and had very little exposure to it. And I feel like it helped me as a rider and it certainly obviously helps, you know, now I think it's absolutely an advantage of being equestrian first and then getting into racing and then being able to mix it all together. I definitely think you can tell generally, of course, there are specific cases that don't follow the rule. The way a horse was started, I've seen different people start yearlings and some of them do put in more traditional equestrian basics and some hop on kick and ride the box out. And you can definitely tell the horses that have had a more thorough base put in them from the beginning versus the ones that have not. And so that's always interesting. Usually it comes down to not necessarily what they know, but a lot of times their confidence level as well. And you can always tell a horse that has had some time training at the farm versus one that's always been ridden on a very maintained and groomed surface. I remember having a very classy four-year-old come off the track who was sold as a yearling in, Sar- in the Saratoga Select for like $350,000. He was doing okay, but obviously he wasn't brilliant on the track or I wouldn't have had him as a steeplechaser. And the first time we took him, like I was hacking out and we took him down a hill, he was so confused by this uneven grass <laughs> and the surface had changed and he's going downhill and he's like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> And he was a very nice class horse, and you could tell he had a very well-educated background. But it was a simple thing that I take for granted because when I break yearlings, once I can walk, trot, and steer, off to the woods we go with the dogs in tow and sometimes my miniature donkey. And they learn to step over sticks, and they might step over a log and a walk or a trot. And learning spatial awareness and where their feet are and how to move them and how not to fall on their face because I prefer them not to fall on their face when I'm riding. So it's interesting. You can pick up little things and clues about how horses were started in particular, I think. Okay, so the moral of that story is look for a horse that Jazz has started because it's already been (laughs) trail broke. (laughs) Well, I couldn't agree more because confidence is huge. And when you sit on a horse with confidence or you sit on a horse with lack of confidence, there's just such a different dynamic and once if you start them and give them like i said you get walk trot and woe in the ring or wherever on farm but if you spend the time doing that they learn where their feet are and they learn confidence and it's so important because like jazz said with her horse that couldn't go down the hill but if you can spend the time And it's such basic, simple stuff. But if you spend the time connecting with the horse, you can teach them this leg goes here and this leg goes here. And then all of a sudden you can leave them alone. They understand and they they start getting their own balance. And I I, I find it phenomenal. I love babies. I I just love babies from the start. My first time I broke a horse, I was 12 and been doing it ever since. And I just love kind of like teaching children when they're so 
interested in learning and there's so much going on and there's places to go and things to do. You channel the energy the right way and and then they just come out to be so confident and, and, and such great rides and it's fun. Bless you guys who like the cold starting. That is not my jam. I will take the OTTBs any day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the Colts anymore. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, I'm learning learning round 10 training. I call it breaking horses for old people. (laughs) There you go. All right. I know we've got to wrap up. So rapid fire. I want to go through and I want to get the names of everyone's makeover hopefuls for this year and then where people can follow your journeys online or on social media. So we'll start with Cindy. What's your makeover horse's name? Her name is Sapphire Surprise. And I am not very social media savvy. So I will get her up on the Facebook page and and such eventually. But I am not at that point yet. That's fine. It'll just be Sapphire Surprise then at the makeover. We'll... That'll be the surprise. (laughs) It will be the surprise. And hopefully there'll be something up on Facebook. but, But I'm not very privy to doing all that kind of IT stuff. So hopefully I'll learn and be able to catch up. <laughs> there you go. All right, Rosie, who are you prepping this year? So I had two horses. One was Bandua who trained for like four months and then his owner had a change of heart and sent him off to be a steeplechase horse with Neil Morris. Mm. So I was devastated about that. But my other horse is Fastboat, who is Joe's most recent Breeders' Cup starter and a horse owned by Brad and Missy Grady. And he is probably going to be headed toward trail again. So I had a super fun time doing trail um, in the 2020 division with no buts about it. It was another horse of Joe's. So we're probably going to do a competitive trail with fast boat this year. Fun. If I find another horse that can get there in time, I would love to have a second horse in eventing because I had that second slot, but we'll see. Nice. All right, Jess, who have you got? Well, if Rosie's not behind the ball, I am because I have yet to get a makeover horse this year. Um, we'll hook you up with new vocations. We got contacts. <laughs> so if anyone out there has a horse they want to send, you can send them my way and I'll finish them up in a hurry and see if we can get there this year. If anybody can do it, it's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, family Napravnik, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This has been super fun to hear from all of you. And we're super excited to cheer you all on for the makeover. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, get a nice family group shot all in October in Kentucky. We'll be yeah, looking forward to fun. it. Thank fun. you so much for having us. We'll see you in Thanks October. Thanks a lot. Thanks. See you in October. Thank you. Spring is here and so are the flies. Casual Company's Crusader line has everything you and your horse need to stay fly-free and comfortable. Available in fly mask, fly sheets, and fly boots, Casual Company's Crusader line comes in an array of styles and sizes that offer an amazing alternative to chemical-based fly sprays that are expensive and don't last that long. Don't forget to check out Cashel's Quiet Ride line too, so you can keep you and your horse happy while hacking on the trails. Treat you and your horse to some fly-free comfort and check out Cashel Company's Crusader and Quiet Ride products today at any of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.cashelcompany.com.
Well, it is probably our most popular time of the show where we meet with new vocations. And for any new listeners, we do the segment every episode where we have one of the trainers from new vocations come on to give us a training tip and introduce an adoptable horse of the week. Normally we have Leandra from the Kentucky location, but this time for those who don't know, new vocations has standard breads and we are so excited to have Winnie Morgan Nema to join us again to introduce one of their standard breads. But before we get to that, I have a training question for you. I would love to know your top three recommendations for building top line in a standard bread to get them ready for the canter. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was a really great question. And so my first tip for getting your horse, I guess, the top line and core basics to getting a horse to canter is my first one is nutrition because I do... I wanted to throw out there that I feel that is a really big part of the equation in terms of training a horse in general. And one that is very important, a majority of our resources that we're getting in off the track are in a very strict training program and they're in an impeccable nutrition program. So a lot of times these guys come to us and they're still in race mode, both standard bread and thoroughbreds, in terms of that their metabolism is just going and it's used to going all the time because our resources are jogging six days a week. So, I mean, they are, they're athletes and they're in a very strict program and their nutrition. I mean, they eat the best hay, they eat the best grain. And so a lot of times people are trying to accomplish something and a basic building block for any training program is nutrition. So you do want to make sure that your horse is getting the calories he needs, getting the hay, the forage that he needs. That's my first tip for anybody adopting a racehorse. And it does take them a good six to 12 months for their metabolism to even out. And then you can maybe back off the grain or adjust it as such because people do have lots of great ideas on, you know, in terms of equine nutrition, but that's a huge one. So my second tip for teaching the Santa Red how to get ready to canter is teaching them to round and give to the bit. So if you watch them race on the track, they go in an overcheck, which makes their backs hollow out. And they have to learn to, number one, carry a rider, which is a whole new different thing for them. Number two, learn to what it means to give to the bit. So doing any type of bending exercises work wonderfully well. They need to learn to give to the bit because they're taught to push against the bit. Most of them are going in a staffle bit. They're not going in a, a really harsh bit, but some have hard mouths. Most do. Some have soft mouths, but they do have to learn to give that side to side. So sometimes you might see people teach them to lunge in like a bidding rig where there's side pulls and side reins, you know, where they're learning just to round and give a little bit. Not that they're tight by any means, but you would just need to teach them, you know, the bare basics because they just don't even know what that means. Again, the bit, when they push against it, they go faster. So they have to learn to give. So that's definitely a big one too. And then the other thing is... Sorry to jump in, but I'd imagine like carrot stretches and stuff are very helpful for them as they're building this new riding muscle as well. Yes. Carrot stretches are great. That is awesome for them. Just because, again, if you think from the, they're broke when they're yearlings, a lot of our standard breads races until they're like 10, 11, 12 years old. Again, being in a program six, seven days a week, they can race once a week, unlike a thoroughbred. So they are conditioned athletes at what they do. They know inside and out what they're being asked. So mm-hmm. the riding thing is so, so new for them that we have to remember that. 
Amazing. And what's our third tip? So my third tip would be just to be consistent on what you're asking the horse to do. I think in any good training program, consistency is huge. And with our standard breads, they're so used to routine. They thrive on it. Most of them love to work and love a job. So if you can be consistent in what you're asking them to do and bend, whether that is working on the straightaways or working on hills, which are really good conditioning for them, they're great. They like to work on the straightaway versus tight circles. They're just really not built to do that. But being consistent in what you're asking that horse to do will be huge. I love it. All three fantastic tips that can also be applied to the thoroughbred as well. So very universal here for any horse who's transitioning from the track. Thank you, Winnie. And speaking of off the track, let's talk about this tall, dark, handsome drink of water, Justice Jet, because I love him. He does not look like a standard bread at all. He looks like a warm blood. (laughs) He is gorgeous. He is um, 2011 trotting gelding by Justice Hall out of a Lindy Lane mare. This guy is classy, as, as you saw. He raced 248 times, and he earned $698,000. So he's oh. a class, class horse. He's coming to us from Pompano Park from Florida. Unfortunately, that track just closed down in the state last month. So his stable was shipping back to Saratoga, New York. And we have a location near Saratoga and they called me and said, this guy was a great horse, just not fast enough any longer. Obviously you can tell he had a great career and he came in needing a place because his track was closing. And uh, he walked off the trailer looking just, just like the class horse that his pedigree reads, like he Mm -hmm. should look like that. So he was easy to transition. He is walking and trotting under saddle. He has a high headset. He sets his head already very well, very easy for him. And he is going to be available soon. I believe he's on our schedule to hit the New Vocations Facebook page sometime this week as a sneak peek. Excellent. So he'll probably be available by the time this episode airs on the 25th. You guys are going to have to see the picture of this horse. Like he's unreal. The dapples on this thing. I know he looks like he belongs in the hunter ring. Like he's really classy. He's just got a regal head. His nice confirmation, just really solidly built horse. Yeah. Really nice guy. Winnie, are you running into a lot of horses coming off of that Pompano track that are needing homes? Has that really like put a dent? in things? No, it really hasn't. Um, We've received two horses from Pompano because of the closing of the track. Most people are just relocating to which track they're going to. So I know some have gone to running aces in Minnesota and quite a few were New Yorkers headed back to Saratoga. It's just really sad because it was such a great place to race in the wintertime for people. It is. It really is. But um, we were happy to take the two. Um, Uva Hanover was the other one, and he just got adopted last week. So. Oh, good. Him. So That's awesome. Quickly, before we let you go, I'd love to know a little bit more about Justice Jet's personality. Like if you could sum him up in three words, what would you say? He is a little aloof. He has a lot of presence and he thinks a lot of himself as he should. And he likes to have a job. He's one of those horses that really thrives in an everyday program. He is eager to work and he's like, what are we going to do now? Okay. <laughs> so. so he'll be the barn CEO is what you're saying. Yes, he, he does. He likes, he's like, put me in, let's do something else. <laughs> I think I know how I can swing this. My husband's thoroughbred <laughs> is regal justice. So and he just needs two. And my husband's justice a prosecutor. Jet. So it's all justice here. You know, why not? Why not get oh him my another gosh, one? You can call your Perfect. farm the justice league. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah. Joy has done it. She <laughs> solved it. That's it. All right. I, I'm already creating t-shirts. This is fantastic. All right. Check out Justice Jet and all the other horses at New Vocations at horseadoption.com and put your applications in if you're serious. Say go quick there. Winnie, thank you so much for joining us. You can't wait to have you back on the show to learn more about the standard breads and everything you're doing at New Vocations. Thank you. From the bridal path to the training arena, you'll feel balanced and supported in the thoughtfully designed arena all-purpose saddle. Whether schooling on the flat, jumping a course, or simply riding on local trails, the beautiful arena all-purpose will keep you and your horse comfortable every step of the way. Every rider nurtures a unique and special connection with their horse, a connection that is built on trust. For riders, it's their horse's welfare and comfort that always comes first. As every horse regularly changes shape with their level of fitness, diet, and maturity, when it comes to your saddle, it too should be able to adapt to meet the changing needs of your horse. Priced at just $15.99, the Arena All-Purpose Saddle will be the perfect addition to your tack room. Visit arenasaddles.com to view the full range of saddles available and find a retailer near you. Well, that is a wrap, Kristen. It was such a fun episode. I know the panels are kind of new for us, but I mean, what a great group with the Depravniks. I could have talked to them for probably at least two hours. I was fangirling secretly in the corner. I don't know about you. I feel like they're my family now. It's fine. I know. Just I feel like it's a really daughter. touching moment. So I was like, <laughs> did we bring a family together? <laughs> I think they were already there. <laughs> I know they, like they absolutely were. They're, they're a pretty strong force. If anything, they are an inspiration for us all. But before we get into the close, I really wanted to touch base on the epic work you're doing at Retired Racehorse Project because you guys just had the spring issue of Off the Track Magazine come in. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Off Track Thoroughbred Magazine is our quarterly publication. It is the only publication dedicated to the thoroughbred and second careers. So if you're listening to this podcast, this magazine was created for you. It is a quarterly publication. We put that out winter, spring, summer, fall. Our spring issue just hit the presses and is out. And I think you mentioned that you got yours. I've got mine in I front of did. me. I did. And you know, it was so nice to see friend of the show. We had Martin Whitley, who was on the cover photo, I believe, with the falconry for retired racers. It's a pretty cool cover, if I do say so myself. I don't know when else you'd see a thoroughbred with a guy and a golden eagle just hanging out. So I know. I mean, Martin's pretty cool. If you guys haven't checked out his interview, he is episode 44 of Retired Racers Radio. But yeah, Martin social media makes us all feel a little less cool than we did once you check out all the work he's doing with the thoroughbreds. Yeah, I bet he was a fun podcast guest because he was a really fun interview. That was actually my article Mm -hmm. that's on the cover. So he was really, really fun to chat with. That article is OTTBs and Unusual Careers. So not only did I talk to Martin and his horseback falconry, but I also talked to a horse safari in South Africa that has a couple of thoroughbreds in its string and some girls using uh, thoroughbreds for ski touring. I have to ask, is that Rhino Revolution? No, it is uh, Horizon oh. Horseback. Is there more than one? Oh, man. Because no, okay. we also interviewed Anna Musi from Rhino Revolution, who uses thoroughbreds for their anti-poaching unit down there at Rhino oh, Revolution. Sweet. So I was like, I haven't gotten that far. There's so much to read. So definitely some surprises for sure in this issue. If you're not subscribed, you absolutely should. Kristen, what's the best way for them to get their own subscription? Super easy. Just go to therp.org slash join. 
We have three different subscription models. So if you're a Canadian address, uh, it's 36. If you're a U.S. address, it's 30. And if you would like digital only, it's 20. Any of those subscriptions gives you instant digital access to the entire library. So you can go back and read online every single issue that we've ever done. Tons of really good information for retraining. And then, of course, just some cool stories, too, like this guy with his eagle on his horse. So check that one out. Absolutely. I used to have the digital subscription, and then my dad wanted to read it, but he won't buy his own. So we share now. (laughs) There you go. Yes. One for the family. One for the family. And of Uh, course, the proceeds from the magazine supports the good work that the Retired Racehorse Project does. So not only are you getting a really cool magazine, but you're also helping us on our mission. Absolutely. Definitely. It's totally worth it for Starbucks lattes. So it's worth it, guys. Promise. All right, Kristen. Well, that is a wrap. Do you want to kick off our show notes? I will. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Horseback Rider. And you can follow all of my Racehorse Ranch adventures on Facebook at Jobber Bill Racehorse to Ranch Horse. My email is kbentley at the rrp.org. You can find me on Instagram and now embarrassing myself on TikTok at the Foodie Equestrian. And my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Feel free to email me about anything or shoot over guest ideas. We always welcome it. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, American Harvest, and Arena Saddles. We appreciate everything you do. We wouldn't be here without you. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And always add more leg. Bye, guys. Bye.